Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Are you ready for two aging mid level Hollywood celebrities who think a podcast is a good idea and who ask the eternal question to fill the hole in their soul? Did we do it? Here they are, Cage and Kevin! All right, five, four, three. Did we do it? Did we do it? That's the question that we ask on our podcast. Did we do it? Kevin, did we do it? Well, that's what we'll soon find out. Yeah. Nice. I was trying to avoid speaking while you were playing because of the Zoom record. Dude, I noticed how you pull back. That's what we're talking about. Sit on the impulse. That's episode two. Performance techniques execution look for or is that episode three what is it two or three but i think what you're saying is there is something to the silence as a performer <laughs> hey everybody welcome to the podcast did we do that it was a cold opening i think i think that's what With I was looking for kyle gas tony tony award winner well soon to be i i think one day <laughs> Grammy Award winner, Kyle Gass from the band Tenacious D, also sometimes actor, performer, all-around fantastic guy, and uh, it's an honor to... Now I feel like you're dragging it out a little bit. Too much? Who are you? Who are you? Well, I am two-time Teen Choice nominee. (laughs) No way, really? Professional actor Kevin Wiseman. Yes, I was nominated for Best Sidekick for... I did not know that. My role of Marshall J. Flinkman on the television show Alias, created by uh, the great J.J. Abrams. J.J., We were also nominated for a Golden Globe. We lost. I've lost everything. Wait, we lost the Golden Globe. I I was nominated twice for Sidekick, lost. And then we did win Critics... No, no, no. People's Choice. Best new drama. Do they still have that? The People's Choice. That could be the most. That could be the best one. That could be the most important one. Because the people chose. <laughs> that's a, well. That's what they want you to believe. But tell me more about the teen. Who? What teens voted you? What most popular tech guy? What was your best sidekick? Best sidekick. Wow. Yes. That's but they do one. let you know ahead of time whether or not you. Of will course. Be, you don't have to show up. Listen, I don't want to brag, but there's been a few like, are you guys going to show up? <laughs> then you're going to get the award because oh, the so award game showed up. You That's would the get award the award game. No, there was, I would have shown up to get the award, but they were like, you're not winning. So you don't have to come. They are. They let me know ahead of time that I was, yeah. <laughs> I was in the loser losers lounge. <laughs> oh, yes. okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, we what was, show. what was the, what was one of the, what, show up. give me an example of an award. <clears throat> Uh, Tenacious D, by the way, for those uh, who don't know, uh, with uh, Jack Black, Kyle Gass. They've toured the world. You know, world. I was going to ask you, by the way, yeah. uh, and it's going to, is, will Jack be listening? Because will that's going to affect, listening? that's going to be a, affect how I deliver this. How do you, fr- how you frame your relationship? With I got to protect the brand. I can't, you know, <laughs> if the D comes up, I got to, you know, modulate. I will throw softballs then. The softballs. Listen, mm. whether or not he will listen or not is really inconsequential. It's it's whether or well, not of my, course, in the real mother, world, it's whether or not my mother will listen. Well, my uh, mom. Oh my god, I wore, I wore the cutoff T-shirt. What'd you wear? My mom's gonna watch. We can't be on you. We can't be a YouTube show now. Why? Because my mom said she, she hate- cut me out of the will if I wear any. You know my, 
my cutoff shirts, my brand, my KG. She doesn't like the KG cutoff shirts. Yeah. Oh my God. Nothing, nothing. Well, listen, but by the way, little does she know that we're going to be selling some of the cutoff shirts in the merch store. (laughs) which We've yet to create, but if you click the link, we have a merch store. Sure. You know, this is one long. And maybe on the front of it, on the front of it, it could say, yeah, mom didn't want me to wear this. Kyle and Kev, did we do it? Rebel, Podcast. question mark. This, I'm going to call it, this is episode one yeah. of our pod, Kyle and Kevin. Did we do Kevin, it? Kevin, and you allowed me to have first billing. Why? There was, it wasn't a conscious choice. I think it just flows. Kai, Kev. You let me, know what let I mean? me try it. Kevin and Kyle. We could. We yeah, haven't made a final decision. Stumble. Yeah, Kyle and Kevin. It's because I think it's the one syllable, Kyle and Kevin. But Kevin I thought <clears throat> I thought the final arbiter was the uh, Instagram account, though. The num- you're saying who has the, the most followers? That would be no, yeah. Well, that would be you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That would be you. Did we do it? Did we how, do it? How many well, does think, the actual Kyle Gas have? Because I don't Instagram followers? I don't have that many for a legitimate celeb. Like I have a lot if you were uh, like a company or something. Like, but like Jack, Jack has, I think, 35 billion. And Rock has <laughs> like 100 billion. True. I, but then, you know what? We're not comparing ourselves to the giants of the industry. We are, I would say, a solid B in the Hollywood. I was going to ask you. We're not A list. No. Certainly not. Because I was thinking I maybe I'm a B minus because I don't think I'm like a real strong B. But I could be a C plus. I think there's nothing wrong with a solid C plus. No. But when we started, there was nothing. So there was no real barometer for levels of success, but people seem to use social media followers as kind of where, where your standing is. But we just kind of uh, pulled ourselves up from the bootstraps. We did it the old fashioned way, huh, Kev? We led with our artistic merit. (laughs) Yeah. How did it, because that is, I mean, that's the name of the show, is Did We Do It? Mm-hmm. Because formally the show was called We, we Did, did it. it. And I just found that to be obnoxious and arrogant. <laughs> well, but I think that's what I'm trying to say is, is, is reel back from quantifying what we did within the arts because it's really your own journey. And you have been able, we both have been able to kind of make a living to uh, support ourselves and our family. Johnny, uh, cut in Celebrity Network. (laughs) You know, with our chosen craft. And also, I think, have some sort of artistic satisfaction. You know what I mean? Like you with the D. uh, We both kind of worked with theater companies that brought a lot of joy, but very little monetary gain. And we've been able to work with incredible people, which I think is very satisfying as an artist. But we've also been able to make a living. Do you I think mean, that's more luck or talent? What do you, where do you come down on it? In terms of working with incredible people? In terms people? of uh, how, how uh, well we've done. I think it's a combination of both. I mean, you have to... It's always a combination. Yeah, right? you got to make your own luck, right? Isn't that what they say? I go with the old talent meets opportunity is the equation. Talent meets opportunity meets the cream, which rises to the top. So we met at UCLA. We did not meet at UCLA. We both went to UCLA. We were both Bruins. Go Bruins. And you're a few years older than me. You're 10 years older than me. You, uh, what I found out recently, did not graduate UCLA. I did not. I did not graduate. In fact, I wasn't close. Yeah. Did you did you graduate with like flying colors? Were you magna cum laude? I was not, but I did graduate with a BA in theater. And when I got wow. to UCLA, your cohort was there, uh, Mr. Jack Black, and he was he was kicking ass. He was in uh, quite a few plays, but I was one of the only freshmen that was cast in a upper class play main stage play. Yeah, that was the business back then. But you're, what you're bringing up, and I don't think you really referenced, is uh, our relationship and how far yeah. we go back. Yeah. Why are we, why are we on, in boxes next to each other? It's because of our long and storied history. And friendship. Dating back to how long? That would be almost 
I think 45 years now. <laughs> well, no, oh. you, so, so I was, at, I, I was at UCLA in uh, 80 or 90 to so 94. Yeah. And yes, you and Jack started. So I was doing plays and doing things at UCLA and, and, and then I went to New York and studied at Circle in the Square Theater. And when I came back, I had started a theater company called Buffalo Nights Theater Company. And we kind That's of used, uh, we used, the, we used the, the template of the theater company that you were a member of, the Actors Gang, That's which right. was started by Tim Robbins. That's right. And Jack was a member of. And That's the connection between us is that we both were in theater groups that sprung from UCLA. Right. The Actors Gang for me, 10 years, and then you followed. There was almost a tradition of starting theater companies yeah. after you graduate. Because what are you going to do with a theater degree? You're going to teach right. or you're going to be an actor. Right. Right. And the Actors Gang, such an incredible company because it was really not about the individual. It was about the ensemble. And it was based in right a tradition of kind of painting your face, playing states, which is like extreme well, emotions, <clears throat> and taking classic plays, you know. Pierre Gint, uh, Moliere's uh, uh, Imaginary Invalid, um, Bertolt Brecht, like these great luminaries in the theater and putting when, them on stage in great ensemble. I was there though. I was blown I away. It was, about, it was more about the original work, the politically charged theater. Right. And that's what we were kind of... Uh, it was, you know, it was. That's Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. I mean, he's still doing that today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. still he's still very active. He's doing. So we, I would go to these plays with my colleagues, see what the Actors Gang was doing. Blown away, we decided to start our own company, and that was. And then some people started to cross over, and we used some of the actors from the gang. And I started to see you at all these fundraisers functions. for the gang yeah, there was functions fun you guys had incredible new year's eve party yes. where there was some illicit uh, behavior I don't know In the, <laughs> well we were part of the equity waiver movement which was um under the way you could have yeah the way you could have plays without paying the actors <laughs> five dollars a show i think it was, it was genius it was. yes, yes that was a pretty lively tradition back in the day i don't know did that continue? Oh, no, the equity waiver theater does it, does it thrive does it go on well it's thriving but it recently equity passed a mandate that you that you ha if you weren't already a member of the company and you come in if i understand it correctly to the company you have to be paid an equity wage so a oh lot God. of smaller companies are are basically being forced oh, out yeah. of business that sucks but a lot of actors are saying like we don't mind being paid this small wage because we're using it as a playground to work and to to get up on yeah. stage. And that was kind of the way that I got started. Young actors ask me all the time, like, how did you get it started? It's like, I did 20 to 25 plays in and around Los Angeles with my theater company, acted in them, produced them. I tried to help build the sets, but I'm a Jew, Kyle. I'm not good at the building. <laughs> I guess it was about time we got all that out there. Kevin I'm not is, good at I'm not good at building. I'm not good with tools. I don't. I'm good at delegating them. Yeah. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, pick up that bucket. We're talent. That, I think we'll just say we're talent. <laughs> yes. So I would, I would uh, come to these functions. And there was, I think in 1994, a fundraiser for the D at the gang. Uh, not for the D, for the, for the gang at the Actors Gang Space. And the D performed. And it was one of the funniest, most irreverent pieces of theater I had ever seen. Wait a minute. It was a Dad classic Barnes. sketch. I mean, it, I mean, you played tribute, right? You played mm. "Rock Your Socks Off," which is based in your classical training, right, Johnny? Johnny Spike, play that song and then tell me about it. <laughs> Only thing that really matters is the classical sauce, and that's why me and KG are classically trained to rock your fucking socks off. Give a taste, KG. Okay. Rocks. It's a rock block of Bach that he learned in the school called the School of Hard Knocks. Get up So 
you played all these great songs. People were going crazy, and then you brought in the gang theatricality. Well, that to was it, the that was which our I thought first, was awesome. It was yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that was our first long form show. We had only done played like a couple songs at uh, you know other people's shows. <laughs> but how did it get started? What okay? So that was your first long form show. So. Yeah. Did you plan those bits? Obviously, you rehearsed them, or were they kind of uh, in yeah, the moment? Did, yeah, we're a pretty improv uh, base, but I yeah, we planned. There was uh, definitely a lot of planning. I think we had Spider Man and sure. Bill Clinton, and was that the one? I don't know. No, no, Spider Man and Bill Clinton was was another one fundraiser. One. This was yeah. early on. Had yeah, you yeah. already played Al's Bar, which was technically yeah, yeah. the first gig? What was that coffee place? Highland Grounds. Sure. Highland Grounds. Yeah, sure. they let us do. Uh, they let us do live shows there. We just set up some mics, and then remember Ned? We did Websville. Did yeah. you ever see any of that? No. Oh, yeah. There was a whole. Uh, the Actors Gang was. I think Tim was making movies or something, and we were kind of in. We didn't know what the Actors Gang was right then. It was around eighty uh, ninety ninety one ninety ninety. So wait, you and Jack performed in ninety one. 91, yeah. We actually played wow. tribute at, yeah, it was a strange thing. We kind of had a little interruptus. And then I started dating Tracy. Yeah. And then we went. The great theater director. June. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Jack always, he actually always, he resented me because he felt like I had abandoned him for my girlfriend. Interesting. We were just sort of starting the D. And then, yeah, Classic it was strange tale. because it took actually like three more years after that to get going but kind of like our podcast we didn't we talk about this three years ago it seems to be a pattern you know, wait a minute this is a recurring pattern i've got we've got things need to marinate with you yeah it's okay i did not go to the al's bar show the legendary al's bar show but i saw this fundraiser blown away these guys are amazing cut to I was kind of always, I knew Jack from UCLA, so, and then I knew J.R. Reed, obviously, very well, who plays Lee. Yes, of course. Ensemble. I was like, how do I get into this ensemble? <laughs> was that the word? Did people want in? Of course, I did. And so I was like, you know, you, you kind of, I kind of zone in on on talent. Were you people. ever in a show? Were you ever in a D no, show? No, I've never. Oh my god, never. Never. I've wanted yeah, to be. You were infiltrated. Either you, you flirted with did. the idea of me introducing you at a few gigs, like at the Wiltern, the Palladium. We talked about it, but it never materialized. Did wow. Jack secretly poo poo it, or did it just not? You never asked him. Were you like hot? Were you, uh, were you Marshall hot? Were you alias Marshall Flinkman and alias? What years? What years? Was well, that? that was 2001. So around that time, so we had kind of hung out. We played some golf, I think. Remember? Because uh, I played golf. Oh, I grew yeah. up playing golf in LA. Yeah. My dad taught me when I was like 13. You played golf. You're a good golfer. And then, so that was kind of a good bonding thing. Was was a good golfer. Well, I don't know. This is a whole episode. It's yeah. an impossible game. And then in 2001, I started working on Alias. I had, prior to that, worked um, obviously in the theater, did some shows at some larger theaters, something at Mark Tabor Forum, did something down in, which is a pretty big theater in LA, did some readings at the Geffen, which was called something else back then, the Westwood Playhouse, and uh, which is right by UCLA. And then I started getting kind of, based on the theater I was doing with Buffalo Nights, some casting people used to actually go to shows. <laughs> they used to go <laughs> and support theater. Can you imagine? Yeah. Not that. Yeah, they did some. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know they still do, but they would go and see th small theaters. And we did this show called Sophistry by Jonathan Mark Sherman, who's a great East Coast playwright. And it had been done by the Malapart Theater Company, which was Ethan Hawke's company and Steve Zahn. And I it's about Ethan these Hawk. guys, yeah, that, that graduate college. And then it's like, now what? It's the abyss of the immediate post-college yeah. years. And my character was the Steve Zahn character, who's a great comic actor. So he was kind of the stoner, yeah. smoking weed, didn't really, smart, but didn't really know where he was Aimless. going. Sure. 
Classic and I got a, I got a lot of love, a lot of press for it. And uh, Meg Lieberman, who was a cast director for Seinfeld at the time, which I know you were on that show, Seinfeld. So Meg must have cast you. Yeah, yeah. Check that episode out. And uh, she Johnny, saw me. Can we roll that? Abstinence? <laughs> can we, Johnny, can we roll that? <laughs> they kick you out too? Yeah. They kicked us all out. <laughs> And she saw the show Allison Jones. I blame the lack of my movie. career on Allison Jones because really, I don't know what happened. Allison, if you're listening, I'm still available. I don't want to say, but she's always the casting of the coolest shows, right? I mean, she, every yeah, show Silicon that she did. Valley. And I won't know it while I'm watching it. And I'll go, at the end, I'll go, you know, cast by Allison Jones. Yeah. God, I can't believe I wasn't on this show either. She cast Hello Ladies, uh, the show I did with Stephen Merchant. She does all, she does all the cool like shows yeah. that I would watch. She always yeah. does. Like, oh, yeah. Get, get She's her. the best. And then I remember I bumped into her at Starbucks, and I was, you know, maybe I was too nice. You know, you do the too nice. <laughs> it might have been the thing. But that's no, not my bad rap in the industry. But what people may not know is that early on, because we're both, like, struggling actors in the trenches, you know, and Kevin became my acting yoda for my mm. audition my audition guru and that was pretty early do you remember because you had a good yeah i thought you got a good read on this whole audition thing so i would go to you for advice well that was the thing like at, at a young age i remember auditioning for the x-files for vince gilligan it was his first this was before oh, alias wow. it was his first that's right he was he was a writer on the x-files and it was his first directing gig so he's in the room i audition i pre-read which is like you read with the cast and director first rick miller oh, yeah mm-hmm. great rick Mc, on the on the fox lot related I just i came from the theater so i would just i knew it i memorized it i made choices it was about this guy who was living in his trailer eventually when i got the role with will sasso and we find this genie and we will get- sasso has beat me out of a couple parts too yeah you should have done this role it's a small town yeah and so I was just ready to rock. And I remember the callback and there's all, all these guys sitting there, Vince Gilligan, Frank Spotnitz, who created the show with Chris Carter was there. And uh, I just didn't have any fear because it was just like, oh, it's just like a play. I'm just doing a play. Here we go. There's just the audience. That was your theater training, Kevin. No, Kick well, uh, yeah. And, and, and the other true. irony is when I was in New York, you could usher a show and then you could see the show for free. And I saw Ron Rifkin in a, uh, a John Robin Bates play and Love Victor him. Garber oh, on legend. stage. Legend. Cut to 2001 when I get Alias. I'm actually working with these guys. I'm like, what the Man. hell? Yeah. And they're incredible theater actors. And usually the best actors are those theater actors in film and television. Not to say there aren't great just film and television actors, but because they, they don't have any fear because they've, <laughs> they've had to perform in front of audiences. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's, yeah, and that's basically what you're doing. As they but you have, that same, you have that same quality because you, you've played before 50,000 people. <laughs> yeah, but you know how that is. I mean, the flop sweat can come at any time. And the three, three sometimes the smaller the crowd. Or the more the stakes, like, you know, I get too nervous because I didn't audition enough and they all seem so huge. So this is one, this right. guest spot on eight is enough is the, if I get this. Eight is enough. I don't know. What, no, sorry about dating myself. Yeah. No, <laughs> what I mean, was that on? I was going to say Seinfeld. But the, you, well, that's the thing is that you're not really auditioning almost for that role. You're auditioning for the next role. You're auditioning just to make fans. And I can't tell you how many roles I haven't gotten from auditions, but then it's circled back. You know what I mean? And I was listening to Ray Seahorn, who is on uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, and she said she auditioned for Sharon Bialy, who cast me in Better Call Saul as well. And so had I. Sharon Bialy had called me in like seven times or <laughs> no, whatever it was, maybe less than that, but wow. didn't get anything. And then this, she just, she just loves actors. And yeah. she brought me in for this and I got this role and I, that, I circled back and worked with Vince again. But Ray had said she's, she, she auditioned 11 times. Imagine loving actors. I know, That's right? weird. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. do you mean? You don't love actors? <laughs> 2001, I was doing Alias. You were rocking with the D. Your album came out in, in, in 01 and you wanted to start a side project. <laughs> 
No, that was 2002. 2002. That was when... <laughs> is Jack listening to this part? Yeah. He stopped listening. He stopped way back. Yeah, said, yeah, yeah. Okay, another yeah. side project. Yeah. Um, we had done the HBO shows, the late 90s. Oh, yeah. And then we had stopped because we're going, well, we're going to make a movie. We're going to make a movie. And so from like 99, the movie came out in 2006, we we're basically developing you know how making a movie it's a it's a long and winding road if you're ever lucky enough well yeah i've never written a movie about a character that i well, created and first to the <laughs> to the cinema well, so are you, you, you the pick of destiny movies. which came out in 2006 2006 yeah because it's a pain a destiny child you know it will be rocking because it's fucking insane it's just a pain a destiny You and Jack showed up as with in king uh, king outfits on the red carpet. It blew me away. In a, weren't you in like a convertible too? No, we uh, well, we took the Cutlass Supreme. We found an old Cutlass Supreme, and actually, it's Steve Marmarco who gave us our first gig at Al's Bar. We opened for Abe Lincoln Story. Yeah, sidebar there, but we had him chauffeur us in this Cutlass Supreme that we had to get, and it was dangerous because it was the wheel was. Was not work. We just had to drive around the block at the at the man's uh, Chinese man's Chinese theater. Yeah, the, uh, I remember it. It was a legendary uh, yeah. uh, premiere oh. night and party. I remember that party too. I was like, I can't party believe spirit. Kyle. We you were did for it. sure that night that it was a franchise and <laughs> a temple all in one night. <laughs> it has become a cult classic. Maybe it didn't have the numbers that first weekend, but uh, it it has it has you know longevity. You know what I say to Jack? I say, did you see Bill and Ted's? Yeah. Number, I think there was 45 years between the last <laughs> between, Bill and Ted's. Well, there's been three, I think, Bill and Ted's. This recent one was the this third. Is the third. the is second the one came out fairly quickly. Like I think. two years. And then how many yeah. years between this one? Yeah. Between, well, it's like The Godfather, same thing, right? Then they have one and two, and then it was about 12 years one. later. They could just erase all the. No, but go back and watch three. Actually, it's not as bad as you. Is remember it not as bad? It. No, I've seen it recently. The bar was so high. I mean, literally, those are probably two of the best movies ever. Oh, you come to me on my wedding day. Oh, you come to me on my wedding. My daughter's wedding. Governor's been nice enough to take my one impression that I do. You do that, and I do De Niro. Hey, Kyle, you talking to me? Are you talking to me? I don't see anybody else here. I don't know. I became a little Jewish. Spot on. That, <laughs> that version. No, but thank you. Uh, what year was HBO when you guys uh, did the HBO The first shows? two little shorts after Mr. Show were on in 97. And those went well. And we thought, well, we'll do And you guys more. called you called all of the songs that you had already written tribute, rock your socks off, for instance, mm-hmm. and then made stories around those songs. Is that kind of how it worked? Yeah. Kind of. I mean, uh, sometimes that, like uh, Jesus Ranch was kind of its own episode, yeah. and tribute. But then sometimes there'd be another concept. And then I think we would write for the episode, like a Sasquatch or a... Florida. Lee. 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 Played by J.R. Reed, right? The psycho fan. So, and, that, and the thing was is that you guys were not successful. That's what was so funny about it. These two guys who believed they were the biggest band in the world. It's kind of what your well, yeah, whole that was, thing, the D thing is based on. like, And kind of what this podcast is based on. <laughs> <laughs> we're going, wait a minute. What is this podcast based on? It's bigger than we think. You know, we think it's huge, but uh, we'll be lucky if my mother and my sister <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> but did you guys write them yourself or did... Did Odenkirk and David Cross help you write those episodes? It was a five. It was a five-man writing squad. We had Tom Giannis was directing. Oh yeah, Tom. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then Bob and Dave, and we all were sort of writing them. Right. And uh, we really honed them. I think that was. It's like, why did they turn out so good? Because well, first off, it was Bob Odenkirk. It's so funny now to think of Bob as just. The biggest thing, Saul. <laughs> Saul. Yeah. I mean, he's dude. Uh, that was my end with him when I went to do Better Call Saul. I was like, "Hey, we've met before. You know, I know Jack." And, <clears throat> yes, Jack and Kyle. Oh my god, I love those guys. <laughs> he wouldn't stop talking about. Uh, 
He's, and he was yeah. like, good to see you. How are you? Blah, 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 blah. And then now every time I see him in the neighborhood, he's, he's, uh, well, it really was asking Bob, about you. But yeah. He yeah. was, uh, he was the guy that kind of gave us, gave us the shot. He knew talent when he saw it. <laughs> but he, <laughs> so yeah, it's funny because he was always writer behind the scenes. What's and the now question? he plays Saul Goodman and he's, uh, no, he's like, he's, he's starring in a, an action movie. HBO was still, kind of not in its infancy but it 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 had like this street cred like you guys were on hbo it was it was the indie it was almost like the indie cred of hbo and people had to find yeah. it and then they told yeah. their friends and it was like oh, well you had to pass around the vhs tapes back then that was <laughs> oh my the, God. that was the uh, and i can't tell you uh well i remember the first time i was ever recognized because i really up to the d point uh, there was not a lot happening, you know, really right. a couple of commercials and this, that, and the other. but uh, we did that, uh, HBO and it was on like, it was on crazy late after Mr. Show when it was like 1130 or midnight. Yeah. And it aired the first time. And for us, it was, you know, for super exciting. I was still excited because it was our little band and really yeah. proud of it. And then I remember going for a walk the next morning in studio city. Sure. I remember and that it was apartment. very yeah, it was very quiet. There was nobody. There was one guy down the street. Like you know, you're gonna pass this guy. Yeah, put at your some mask point on. you put your mask have, on. Oh no, no, <laughs> it no! Was, that's a different it was pre-pando. We were just time. walking freely. Yeah, and then literally as I passed him, he had a bit of recognition and and then said, "Did I see you on a little show last night?" Oh, it was really good. It was the most random. There was no way. I don't think more than fifteen people watched it. It was just very you know late night HBO. But it was yeah, the strangest. But the people like, that wow. did became the uh, initial, the original psycho fans. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it touched. The diehards. Touched yeah. You know who really loved it were uh, almost every band, uh, touring band at the time. Definitely right. spoke to musicians, and, and every tour bus had that uh, VHS tape. And people it's like that show, uh, that, that, that show about backstage of the theater, Slings and Arrows. Did you ever watch that? What? And it, yeah, it's, Man, I watched that. I love that. Yeah, it's like it was a Canadian show that uh, is all about what happens in the in the wings, the oh, backstages yeah. of the theater. So oh, people, yeah. I think, like the machinations. That was the thing about that about you guys. It was like, oh, most bands are in the tenacious deep position of just desperately trying to gain any sort of notoriety oh yeah no it's the it's an impossible artist the starving musician the starving you did that and then you were writing the movie and you started to and then the album came out uh and somehow you enlisted the greatest drummer of all time to be on your album dave Grohl. yeah i still don't and i remember listening to that and just being blown out of the water. I played it for all of my alias castmates. I remember in the trailer, I was like, you guys, Dude, you, you got to hear this. And then immediately Kilbasa Sausage came on, your butt cheeks are warm. And I got like a oh, weird no. side look from one of the makeup artists. Oh, yeah. I was like, no, 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 it's a comedy. It's a comedy yeah. album. I think, and, uh, got, I think we got away with some, uh, yeah, some borderline <laughs> stuff because it was delivered in good spirit. Good spirit. Of course. It's a great album. Who uh, played guitar? It was that was all connected? That was, uh, no, that was pre, uh, pre-Counts. It was uh, Warren Fitzgerald oh, from right, the from, Vandals. From the and band. they were fans yeah. and became friends. And they were uh, in the Mr. Show kind of universe. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I was. I, that's the thing. I mean, really, we're actors sort of playing rock guys you didn't really know the yeah. world at all I, we didn't and how to even do an album yeah because you guys it's like that's what i was saying back in the in the you know you learn fast can you ride a horse right but like you made that album and then you and i we kind of with jr who plays lee we started our own your side project called train wreck we played highland grounds our first gig with the great Steve oh McDonald from Red Cross that. on bass. We played Highland Grounds with yeah. Steve McDonald. SPD. Yeah, I just brought like a pared down drum set. I, I've been playing drums since I was 13. It was a dream come true. I'm like, here I am in a rock band. Trainwreck started. We were developing our movie, yeah. Nation's D movie. Right, pick up 99. And then in 2002, as we're developing, Jack has Mike White writes him this movie, basically, Taylor made School of Rock. I'm and I, I was remember like, going to the well, premiere, being blown away. 
<laughs> and it, of course it was legendary you know that's jack's uh you know that's his big it's his brand of course they're they have nothing really to do with tenacious z but at the time i was like but we're developing our own rock movie now you're gonna go do this and it was obviously like a star turn vehicle yeah did you get a little and nervous I like, was, what's gonna happen well, to no the- that's what i mean i was devastated i was oh, really wow. like oh that's my not god just nervous but devastated yes <clears throat> no because well, that means I think, and then he shot to start him, which is still great. I mean, I wanted Jack to, you know, root for your friend and everything, but I was like, oh my God, the Tenacious D at the time. And so I was, I was kind of bent. I thought, well, this is it. I have to start other projects and I got to strike while the iron's hot. I got to start another band. I saw where it was going. I saw that Jack was obviously a movie star. So J.R. Lee and I started actually a duo and That's we right. played one gig at Largo as Trainwreck. And then somehow, like somehow JR was like, wait, Kevin has drums in his basement in his well, craftsman no, house. We realized that this was really like two guys, two guys and one guitar. And the Tenacious oh, D was two guys. It was a little too it was similar. just like a knockoff. But the point was, we thought, well, we need to, we need to be like a band band. And yeah. we need to take a step away from. And that's where you came in. And he said, well, Kevin, uh, he plays drums. Well, what do you play in a band called? This was concerning. It was Christopher Robin, I believe. I him. was in a band called Christopher Robin with <laughs> Ildi Modrovich, who now is the, she was the singer and my girlfriend at the time. She's now the EP of uh, Lucifer. She's really? the head, head honcho over there. Yeah, she's doing great. Well, I would like to do that show too. <laughs> well, that's why I threw it out there. <laughs> By the way, let's just take a quick uh, uh, break to uh, give Death Wish Coffee some love. They sent me some coffee. And uh, I want to say thank you to Death Wish. We're just kind of thanking some of our sponsors. Uh, sure Microphone. Sure Microphone sent you that mic. Sure. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, they didn't send it. I bought it. But if oh, you, you bought like it. Send an upgrade and... Uh, yeah, what if maybe I one of those better arms. Right here? Maybe, maybe one of those arms for the podcast. I did get gifted. I was gifted this beautiful blue microphone, the Yeti, and these gorgeous headphones that I'm wearing. Studio no, mine's not a headphones Yeti. from mine's Blue. Not. No, no, but I have a Yeti. You have a Sure. We have different companies. This yeah. is Blue BlueMicrophone.com, and uh, thank you, Blue. And also, Clean Canteen sent me a bunch of these. Uh, <laughs> it's true. These gorgeous insulated. Uh, canteens for myself and my daughter who was bought misfit last year they sent oh. a whole huge box for the guests and yeah. so thank you clean canteen I like so that. Just a little love for our for our potential sponsors so uh why don't you uh are you can play a little interlude here we go Aguila. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Kevin mm-hmm. got a lot of free stuff. A lot of free stuff. <laughs> That's free stuff available on the iTunes if you'd like to pick up that. Uh, now, you went on the ill fated first world tour with Trainwreck. I did. And Chris Dorenzo. Yeah. And JR. Was it ill fated? Mm-hmm. Well, it was for my bank account. <laughs> We uh, you did find we got it, a little yeah. over our skis. A little. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I guess we should, this would be a good time. Every 10 years or so, I have a manic episode. This was one of those manic, I thought, this is the greatest. We're going on a world tour. Yeah. Call Mark Kaplan, my accountant. How much money do we have? And I took, well, we, it we, was, hired, a, we hired a tour manager. Tour Mike. manager. We had uh, a roadie. We rented a, a van to get, I mean, it was all just. What year we, was nobody, that? It, it must have been between. 2003? Yeah, because I must have been on a alias hiatus because we, that was right during alias. It was a five year. I was there for five years, so it must have been the summertime, summer 2003. By the way, we did really well, though. We packed a lot of, you know, Viper Room size houses. It's hard to imagine having a band. Uh, Pre-social. trying to promote something at that level without social media like how would we even i think we had to try to get in the radio the we did a lot of rags. radio things yeah <coughs> or radio yeah we did some radio radio spots and and all the yeah the the, the local newspaper articles this is not a bad time to you know let people know that train wreck 
uh, is almost done with their their comeback, comeback LP. Album. We had incredible shows and guest stars in and around LA. Let's just we had Jack Black playing a character named Tuffy McFuckleby. It was the great Vivo Las Vegas. Right, but he used he said Tuffy McFuckleby instead. Tuffy McFuckleby. <laughs> he came out really in a um, evil Knievel. Yes, and then we had uh, John C. Riley playing uh, the great Jerry McCracken, who was a truck driver coming in off the road. And what did he sing? He sang uh, he the, uh, Sunshine, "Sunshine of Your Love" medley, uh, and, cream song, uh, and also uh, the Donovan classic. Sunshine came softly against my window today. <laughs> and once we get our website up, I will post some of these, these old classic awesome. videos. John, and, play a clip from that old train wreck. Yeah, <laughs> John, what do you got? But the last uh, guest star that I was going to mention was the great Tim Robbins, who played, do you remember? Slim Ribbons. Slim Ribbons. And what did Slim do? God, that's, such a, that's such a name that I would come up with, too. Yeah, which what song did Slim? Remember play? your what was your character? Oh yeah, see that was the other thing about Trainwreck. We played characters. We had AKAs, and originally I had uh, like a mullet. We, we had whole look. I was a uh, I was Kenny Bob Thornton. No relation to the Academy Award winning actor, with possible distant cousin, possible distant cousin. God, that bit never got old. You were uh, the great uh, Clip Calhoun, J.R. Reed, aka Lee, was Daryl Donald. And then we had Boy Johnny, Shreddy Cruiser, and uh, of course uh, Lance Branson, who was uh, Chris Lorenzo on the keys sometimes, sometimes you know, <laughs> on his gauge. But uh, it's funny when you were mentioning recording and having to learn on the fly. I remember going into the studio to record drums and just like the panic of you know the click track i hadn't really worked with a click track before and i just remember we were working with the dust brothers john king who created oh uh, who produced i don't know uh beck the beastie boys uh who else i mean the list goes on this guy's uh hansen hansen Anyway, <laughs> incredible producers, but uh, and I just remember some whispering going on, and heard I could I could I could read the lips of click track, and I was just like, oh man! I mean, I picked it up eventually. I think that the track sounds great, but there is that pressure in the studio that, I, you know, is similar to to stage, but it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, we were uh, we were in over. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we decided to do it live at the Viper Room. Yeah. In the Sunset Strip, we thought, well, because we're a pretty good live band, and yeah. we thought, well, we could just capture it. And then we did actually make a live record that, yeah. that uh, it's kind of a rarity now. And I remember the great, uh, what was the song you played on the djembe? It was Father Dowling? Yeah. 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 You take center Spiker, stage. Spiker, you want to play that? Father Dowling from Live. 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 Yeah. Do we have any of that? <laughs> We also did a great, oh God, our greatest gig was at the Roxy, the famed Roxy on Sunset. We'd just been on tour for like three, four months. We came in, we had the road chops, my yeah, friend. Yeah, we were. Pray. like for a moment and then of course jimmy kimmel jimmy kimmel yeah, show yeah it was early they weren't really they were kind of the little show that could at the time we were one of the first uh and first guests <laughs> and they yeah made a real cat you had the d i was on alias there was a lot we had some heat yeah no there was there was just enough heat yeah to yeah. get us on the show and the show really? like i didn't think the, the show wasn't really it wasn't a list yet no, now I mean Jimmy's been doing it for. Don't 20 know if years. Trainwreck would make it on there now, but in the we pandemic, did. remotely, I we, did, we did really well. 
we've both been in this business for so long and as friends for so long and kind of seeing each other have successes and some downtime and this and that as one the does in the arts. Of show business. The ups and downs. Yeah, and you know, I just worked on this Marvel show, The Runaways, and all of a sudden I look around. By the way, it's uh, three seasons. It's on Hulu and Disney Plus. Not a big deal. <laughs> and uh, I look around and I'm like, how did I become? I mean, granted, the show is centered around a group of teens who find out that they, they have these kind of mysterious powers and their parents are part of this evil organization running Los Angeles. So there are younger people on the show. <laughs> but I looked around and I thought, how did I become the elder statesman that people are asking for advice? <laughs> you know, when I don't feel like it was that long ago that I was uh, just kind of looking to Victor Garber and Ron Rifkin for advice. Yeah. I remember always being the young guy. I used to always like hanging out with older kids and stuff because I felt a little precocious and yeah. kids my age seemed kind of uncool. So I, I remember always being the young person and then that kind of reversed. And then I remember always being the older guy like with train wreck and uh our our bands and stuff it's like oh no i'm the old guy what was some of the best advice you got from older musicians over the years because you've played with amazing people you know pearl jam i mean granted eddie's probably about your age i know you've played with you guys have you guys or been on bills with a lot of great bands metallica you know uh you've played with d has been a magic carpet ride where yeah. you'll find yourself in just the most uh, amazing situations. Where the one that always comes to mind is the uh, uh, bridge school benefit that Neil Young. Oh, does. sure, Neil Young. He does that for kids yeah. afflicted with. Is it ALS or they do a lot of uh, various, a lot of different. Right, charities, and all the kids are up on stage watching the show. I've been to a yeah. few of those up at Shoreline Amphitheater in. Uh, in Northern California, which was, by the way, built by Bill Graham for the Grateful Dead in the late 80s. Side note. What? Hello, uh, digression. And if you look at it from up above, it is a steal your face. It's, it's, it's the shape of it is the famous steal your face that the dead, you know, the iconic image for the dead. Really? So what, I did not know that. What was the, was it Neil Young that gave you some well, love? Then, well, Neil Young does a barbecue the Friday oh, yeah, night yeah. before. And, sure, you know, just happened that. on our on our bill that year with just these crazy heavyweights. Uh, Who was there? Like James Taylor. Oh yeah, I heard of him. And uh, the Radiohead guy. Oh, Tom there. York? And, yeah. And yeah. then, uh, uh, of course, Neil himself. And we're all just hanging out at like a, a bonfire. Was it a jam by... session? Were people playing? No, music? no. It was just like a hangout kind of barbecue uh, with just all the people, you know, friends and family. Yeah, just all of a sudden you're just kind of kicking it with James Taylor. Do you talk? Do you end up talking like tech stuff with with guys like guitar tech stuff or? Oh God, no, never. no. It's that's funny. The, like I don't really like necessarily talking about acting no. either. I just kind of like to talk about life. We used to joke about like the last thing that you want to talk to someone after a gig is uh, is gear <laughs> or anything exactly. like. What's right. that mic you're using? Really <laughs> but people, you know, guitar guys want to talk guitar. Yeah, fret watchers. Yeah, he has a little cadre over there watching watching the frets. Yeah, as well they should because it's really it's. A, I mean, I do. He's a virtuoso, and, but he doesn't want to talk about music with some fans after. <laughs> I remember, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about the X Files thing we were talking about that earlier, and I remember laying on the table. My character, he has three wishes. One of them is to be invisible, so he can look up women's skirts and you know <laughs> he could check stock prices or like uh, i don't know so he gets hit by a mac truck crossing the street because he's invisible and the only way that they can Mulder and scully can see him is by paint covering him in yellow fingerprint dust so they had to spray me with this this dust me and my double my stunt double because there was the whole sequence of him crossing the street and getting hit and i'm laying there and Gillian Anderson, the great Margaret Thatcher from The Queen. <laughs> if you're not familiar with that, uh, with her role show. on uh, The X-Files. I'm laying there. She and, and Duchovny have all the dialogue. I just have to lay there at this point because my character is dead. <laughs> yeah. And she looks at me and she's like, isn't acting great? <laughs> <laughs> 
Is it, aren't you uh, glad you got into this business? And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, yeah, at the end of the day, we're really just kind of blue collar workers. And that's what you guys oh, yeah. are doing out there. You're yeah, just yeah. working. There's no, you know, people have, I think, a misconception of what it is. I mean, there are moments. There are. Parts. I would say even more in, in, the, uh, in the acting biz. I mean, you literally are yeah. propping a costume. Like, you'll, you know, it takes all day to shoot like one scene sometimes. And yeah, you're standing I mean, you like can, this the whole time, you know. Right. I mean, you're lucky if you do seven pages a day is massive. Like generally you're going to do yeah. five, six pages a day on a TV show, eight to nine days to shoot an episode, maybe more. If you're the Sopranos or something, that's like a huge hit. They'll give you an extra day. But you're right. I mean, it's long days. You got to move it along. I remember when Faye Dunaway did Alias, she just took forever to come out of the trailer she wanted an inordinate amount of time of rehearse, you know, time to rehearse. And it was like, Faye, this is TV. Like we got to just, we got to knock it out. We're just going here. There's no, this is some Butch Cassidy, you know, we're not shooting two pages a day, you know, which she was great in, by the way. Butch Cassidy? Butch Cassidy? Not Butch Cassidy. um, Bonnie and Clyde. Yes. I knew two people, but I guess for the rock show, you're, you're, you're waiting all day for those, you know, if you're doing a festival, you're there all day for 30 minutes of rocking. Sometimes, yeah. <clears throat> There's a lot of time not playing. But it's the best hour of the day. You know, you look forward to it. It's kind of a, a rush, and then you then you relive it <laughs> afterwards. I would say recently you guys played Rock and Rio before the pandemic with, yeah. with the Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl and yeah. the crowd was just going nuts. And uh, you know what I mean? They knew every, every lyric. And I feel like when you get out of this country, people just are so excited you're there. Yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of the end of, the end of a dream. We'd, we'd wanted to play there for, yeah, 10 years, 20 years. And uh, we hadn't really uh cracked it down there so that was fun to get the opportunity and huge yeah they're great great rock fans down there the success that you've had we both had which is moderate compared to some people but we've had successes and we've done but well. huge compared to most huge compared to most uh, you know For God's sakes. of course but it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it certainly provides some comfort for your family and yourself financially and artistically but like the drive is still there. It never goes away. You know what I mean? For me. Well, when you get to be my age, it does diminish. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's why, uh, that's why we always ask the same question at the end of every episode. Did we do it? We did it. Yeah, buddy, that was good. We did it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.